Dojo, Dynamite 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 Dojo, with Rich and Ashley. Hey guys, this is Ashley and Rich here with a special bonus episode of Dojo and Dynamite. We are back from Baltimore and we are going to do a full gear recap. Yeah, I hadn't been to Baltimore in well, 13 years, so that was pretty cool. I've never been to Baltimore and I never thought I'd be there for a wrestling event, so that was pretty cool. Let alone just a visit. Just a visit, yeah. You got crab cakes. I did. They were good. They were very good. Yeah, we went down to Seafood Place. We were staying right outside the Inner Harbor. We Phillips went... Seafood. Phillips Seafood? Yeah. Yeah. We went to StarCast, so that was cool. We met the Yeti. We met the Yeti. Yes, we did. We met the Yeti. Hooked up with some old connections down there. Had a good time. Stayed over at the hotel closest to the Royal Farms Arena. It was not the StarCast venue, but... Still a nice hotel. Had some pretty cool experiences, though. We did. Yeah. It was a good weekend. Yeah. We had a couple friends with us. Well, I knew we were supposed to have a couple of guests joining us on this podcast, <laughs> but the adventures of Baltimore post-Full Gear were totally unexpected and created a bunch of turbulence that we could not record this podcast. So I can get into that a little bit. Uh, no places were open for any food, so we were scrambling around, we went to 7-Elevens, we, we were walking in the streets of Baltimore at 1 o'clock in the morning. The parking garage was shut down, so we couldn't leave. Yep. Um, it was, we, we were not prepared for that, no. and then it was a late night. We just couldn't get everybody on the same page wanting to do this. One went to bed, it, it just... But it's okay, because I had to actually rewatch the show yesterday when we got home, because there were parts that I missed. We, you did the same. Yeah, and there so. were some crowd issues that people said that weren't conveyed properly, but I mean, us being in the crowd, I thought it was still a fine crowd, and I thought the television did it fine justice. Absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, I don't... We could talk about that a little later if you'd like, but I thought the crowd was fine. I mean, there was, there was maybe some issues in terms of timing. That was something that I kind of gathered a little bit, was maybe... There was some timing issues, and I mean that in, you know, there were times when it seemed like the crowd was ready to pop, and right when they were about to pop, maybe do a chant, it seemed like the wrestlers kind of shut it down. Not by choice, but all of a sudden we went a couple of good moves, and we went into... The match took a different direction. Right, Mm -hmm. and it kind of just, we changed, we detoured from where we thought we were going to go. So that's kind of what I kind of gathered out of the audience reactions on Saturday evening, but... Should we get started? Yeah, we can go ahead and get started. The The buy-in only had one match, which was Dr. Britt Baker versus B. Priestley. And as we discussed a little bit last week, this was a match I was really looking forward to. We've seen Dr. Britt at... We saw her at Double or Nothing. We saw her at All Out, and we saw her, saw her at Full Gear. I, I think she's arguably one of the most over women on the roster. She always gets a huge pop when she comes out. She looks like a star in her gear and the way she carries herself on the way to the ring. And we've already seen her becoming a very dominant player in the AEW women's division. And I think B 
though she hasn't been around as much quite yet as Dr. Britt, I think she's going to be equally as dynamic in the women's division as, you know, AEW goes forward. And I think these ladies have, they have good chemistry together. It was obviously very personal with Dr. Britt getting injured by B in, in that tag team match back at, was it the Fight for the Fallen? I believe so, yeah. Fight for the Fallen. And, you know, I, I just, I hope that this isn't the the end of their feud altogether. I, I think maybe for the time being, we might get a little bit of a break, but I do hope to see more matches between the, these two ladies down the road. Yeah, I think this was one of Dr. Baker's better performances. And I, I think that she's a fine wrestler. I think they all are. I mean, wrestling is very hard to do. I've said it many, many times. It's a very hard thing to do. And it's not about ideas. It's not about working rest holds or, you know, even submissions, finishing moves. It's about timing. It's about presence. It's about character. It's about charisma. It's about finding that hard camera. And Britt Baker's pretty good at finding that hard cam. I watch her move, be privacy around, make sure she's in the right spot. But she's been growing every single week that we watch her. Mm-hmm. And she's getting better. And B, of course, she has all that experience from Japan. She's fast. She's quick. She's confident in herself. I thought it relayed well in this match. Now, the buy-in match... Only having one, having a match between these two, wasn't the fastest match. wasn't slow. wasn't the fastest match. I thought it was a good quality, had a nice feud to it. It closed, concluded with Brandy and Awesome Kong coming out and attacking B Priestley, which makes sense because of the Jamie Hayter uh, scenario they laid out mm-hmm. on Dynamite where she kind of pointed her finger at her, attacked her, pointed her finger at the uh, announcer, I'm sorry, attacked Jamie Hayter, who's her tag team partner in Stardom. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. It was a great, captivating story. We're probably going to get a little tag team action between Brandy, Awesome Kong, Jamie Hayter, B. Priestley. It concludes that. It also gives Britt Baker a win, moves her on to bigger, better things. In conclusion, I thought the match was well worked. The story was right there, and I'm going to give it a very solid B-. Very solid B-. minus. was short, sweet. Didn't captivate the audience in terms of these wow moments or any any big spots, but it was a very good, they call it a pre-show in WWE, it's a buy-in here, but for a buy-in match, a free-on-television match, I thought it encapsulated everything you asked for in a match, but on pay-per-view, I'll give it like three and a half stars. I'd give it a B plus. I'd grade it a little bit higher. I think, like I mentioned before, there it was it was very personal. You had Dr. Britt's promo, which was fantastic. B actually did a counter promo, which I haven't gotten a chance to watch. But I just think that they have a good dynamic there with with the feud. And Brandy and Kong coming out at the end was awesome. No pun intended there. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did. (laughs) No, but I, you know, we're finally seeing the The development of the story. The development of the story. I love what is it? Voodoo. I believe that they're doing. She cut off the hair of B Priestley, so, you know, voodoo dolls, witchcraft. I don't know quite what it is yet. We're still going to see that unfold, but I think it's really cool. Kong got a new theme song. I, so for that, I, I give it a B plus. I thought the whole thing was really awesome. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was a good way to start the show, though. Absolutely. It was a good and way it's, to start it's good the exposure show. for the women, which I'm, which I'm all about. So yep. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next for all of these women, but... Now we transition to the start of Full Gear itself, uh, which opened with Proud and Powerful versus the Bucks. Yeah, it did. I was looking forward to that match. Of course. Who wasn't? Right. I mean, but that that was good. I mean, that was exciting. I think having the Young Bucks, 
having Proud and Powerful, Santana and Ortiz, it's kind of hard to roll Proud and Powerful off the tongue. I It's a fine name, but Santana and Ortiz are much easier to say in terms of the tag team. I don't know what they would prefer or how they're being called on television. I really haven't picked that up because we were at the event. Mm-hmm. I believe they did call them Santana and Ortiz. That seems to be a little bit easier to say than Proud and Powerful. Because like P&P, right, that was kind of what they were doing, but that kind of reminds me of Private Party. I know we're on a tangent here a little bit, but it was a good match. I, I really did like the match a lot. I thought that the Young Bucks coming out was a great way to open, gets the crowd hot, opens it up a little bit for maybe some chance, maybe to get Santana and Ortiz over a little bit more because you're working with the Bucks, you're doing some high-flying things. But the match itself, I think, was definitely better on television than it was in person. But this was the match that I had spoken a little bit earlier about. I know I'm kind of rambling here, but this was kind of the match that I felt sucked the audience a little out of it. Every time it felt like we were going to pop, we ended up with like an arm drag, kind of sucked us down. It was, it was like we never had a chance to get going. Well, the crowd itself, the whole night, we had a hard time getting it together. No one was on the same page. But getting back to the match itself, I, I agree. Um, you can never go wrong with you know, opening the show with the Bucks. We've talked about it before. The Bucks, Private Party, SCU, excellent way to start the show. You're getting the crowd into it. The Bucks are made for television. Yeah. They're I, absolutely perfect. They're so fun to watch. And I think Proud and Powerful was a really good opponent for them. They faced before they faced on the Jarrah Cruz last year back in 2018. Haven't had a chance to see that match, but was really excited to get this on, you know, to get this on the pay-per-view. This is the first time that I had seen Proud and Powerful wrestle live. We saw them debut at All Out, but I wasn't too familiar with them before. And I think, you know, they're... Now you love them. Hmm? Now you love them. I do. I do love them. But I think they're equally as fun to, they're equally as fun to watch. They're comical, but they're badass. You don't want to fuck with them. Ortiz and Santana have a really great dynamic in the ring. They worked really well with the Bucks, and they got the win, which was much needed because I, you know, the inner circle is going to be on to bigger, better things. They're the most dominant faction in AEW, so it was a very important win. Jr. had mentioned on commentary when we watched the show back, you know, anytime the Bucks lose on AEW, that's a really big deal, right? Because they're what they're the best tag team in the world. So that's what Jr. says. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, no, but they're you know they're the best tag team in the world. They've been around for so long. They've dominated everywhere. So for Proud and Powerful to get that win, that's absolutely huge. I believe they swapped ranks with the Bucks now in the I power can't rankings. That. I think that's what I heard on commentary. Doesn't mean it's going to be true. <laughs> can't quite confirm that, but it was definitely a huge win. So again, great way to start the show. After the match, we had some Rock and Roll Express shenanigans. Yeah, which was fun. Hell yeah. Ricky Morton. Canadian Destroyer. Yep. The crowd loved it. Yeah. The crowd absolutely loved that moment. That was super fun to watch. We've we've talked about it before. We've been seeing them so much recently. We saw them live. We did. Go Ace. Um, but they, you know, they can still go. Super cool way to get them involved. Super cool way to get the fans into the show. And yeah, I, I thought it was an awesome moment. Well, what did you give it as a grade? A minus. Yeah, that's what I was going to go. A minus. You know, I mean, it's a four-star match. It's an A minus. It was a good segment. Great grade. The match was good. 
talk about Nick Jackson. They talk about no psychology, right? Nick Jackson worked that leg, kicked that post. He couldn't do the Meltzer driver off the top rope. Mm-hmm. He slipped off to that little cartwheel. looked like he was going to land on his head. Mm-hmm. It was done really well. He worked that leg the whole time. Even sold the leg later on in the main event when he was carrying out the big barbed wire net with Matt and, I believe, Brandon Cutler, Hangman Page, for mm-hmm. Kenny Omega. So... It was it was very well done. I enjoyed that. It was a good match. Much better on television, actually, than it conveyed in the audience for ourselves. So I, I enjoyed that very much. I gave it gave it an A minus. Yeah, I agree. I think it was, it was really well done. Speaking about the match being better on television than it was in person, it's actually a good um, a good transition to the next match, which was Hangman versus Pac. We've seen Pac wrestle live a couple times. Now we have. Now we have. And he is, he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. He's sharp. He's in great shape. He's quick. He's, I mean, besides being quick, he's arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's beyond smooth. He knows exactly how to transition from piece to piece. He knows exactly how to pace the style of match he does. But, unfortunately, when you're in the audience, a pack match can almost drain you down. It's slow. I wanted I you've said this before, it's, so I wanted you to talk about it here. In in person, a pack match is totally different than what you experience on television. On television, those small buffers when pack is walking very slowly, deliberately, the word is, when pack is walking deliberately to deliver a kick to hangman's head or to climb a top rope or to walk outside the apron. Those moments are filled on television by commentary. JR telling you a fantastic story about maybe the backdrop of Pac as the Dragon Gate champion or or however. I don't know what JR talked about. I didn't listen to it. I was in the audience. But those moments get filled by commentary. In the audience, it feels like you're kind of watching him just deliberately walk around. And sometimes by the end of the match, you're almost, well, was that even good? And then you kind of got to go back almost and watch that again because you have to see the pieces that he does. He hits Hangman in the head. Then he's kicking him and he's stomping his head. And you go, oh, this is good. This is good. He's telling this story here. He's working down Hangman here. And it makes total sense. But in person, he's not as exciting as on television. I think that's, I think that's the right word. It, exciting. He's, he's deliberate. He's... He's hard-hitting. He's dynamic. He's precise. He's dynamic. Mm-hmm. Super athletic. Oh, yeah. But that happened at All Out with the Kenny match. Which turned out to be a fantastic wrestling match when Abs- we watched it. Absolutely. And, you know, our one friend was, you know, texting us during the show, and that was huge his Pac favorite fan. match of the night. A huge Pac fan, though. Yes, huge Pac fan, but that was his favorite match of the night. And we were both like, okay, it, it was good. Sure. But... Because Hangman was in it. No, I'm talking about All Out. Oh, yeah. Talking about the, the Kenny yeah, yeah, match. Yeah. And, you know, we had to go back and watch it a second time. And like you said, the commentary just kind of adds in an extra element. Oh, they, JR of, did a really nice job telling. in that match. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone else agrees with that take. It's it's in no way meant to be disrespectful. It's a totally personal opinion. This is a complete personal opinion that... I enjoy watching Pac wrestle on television. Mm-hmm. I like his character. I like the way he looks. Like I like Pac a lot. And I remember back, I believe, on the first show, second show, I'm sorry, he did excellent commentary work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah excellent, yeah. excellent commentary work. The guy is a true professional. But there is something in live performances that you have to convey a little bit more towards the audience. And I think that Pac just... 
for a live audience, I personally can't get into it. And it's disappointing because I'm a huge Hangman fan, and I watched that match and thought, well, this was good, but I don't know if it's going to be as good as I had hoped it was going to be. Coming home, rewatching Full Gear, it was a great match. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's so much better the second time around. The whole show is so much better the second time around because you're picking up all these little things that you may have missed the first time. But, you know, not to go on too much more of a tangent, Hangman got a win. Yeah, it was a big win. It was a big win. He got a win back. And I believe they're now touting this next one as the rubber match, even though yes, they, they did. They are. They did explain that it was already one to one. So I. Maybe they're not counting the one that happened over, I believe, in Dragon Gate. So anyway, we're going to get that again on Wednesday. So that's exciting. But Hangman did get another win. Hangman has a very impressive record now. He's taken a couple losses, but he's wrestled, I believe, the most matches of any of these guys. Makes sense. He's the youngest, so it makes sense. He can go. His body isn't broken down, but he he's he's done a really nice job. And I mean, in this segment itself, this whole match, I want to give it an A minus. Also, I want to say, listen, it's a four star match. Watch it. Something that you'd be interested in. Um, but it's more like a B plus again because I was in the audience and I was never able to truly get into it, even though I, I love Hangman. So I'm gonna give it a B plus. I I wish there was something between like an A minus and a B plus. Yeah. Because I share the same sentiments as you. But again, going back and rewatching it, you realize how, truly how how good it was. I'll give it an A minus. Okay. I'll give it an A minus. It was a good match. It was a good match. It's definitely good pay per view worthy for sure. Of course. But in the audience, we just I I I couldn't get into it. Fair enough. That match was followed up with Joey Janela versus Sean Spears. Yeah, and I liked that match. I mean, some people, I saw a lot of people kind of talking about how, well, this could be a dynamite match. You kind of have Sean Spears, you have Joey Janela. I thought both of them came across here as pay-per-view level players. I thought Sean Spears looked great. Tully Blanchard was enough Tully Blanchard. Got not enough too Tully? Much. Enough Tully tonight? Or not, back at full gear? Not too much Tully. We got enough Tully. Recently, we've had, like, no Tully. He just stands around. But this was enough Tully. And I appreciate how Sean Spears comes out, his entrance opens, he walks halfway down the ramp before Tully comes out because it's not about Tully. It's about Sean. And he gets out there, and I like the way that he manages. It's not like Paul Heyman. Everybody likes Paul Heyman. I like Paul Heyman. But Paul Heyman is the most important piece to Brock Lesnar, not Brock Lesnar. Sean Spears is the most important piece. Tully Blanchard is not overshadowing him. I liked that. Joey Janela arrives, he gets a big pop, he gets a standing O. People love the bad boy. You wouldn't cheer with me. No, because I like Sean Spears. Mm. But and Joey, you're gonna you're gonna wrestle me one day. We're going to have this match. And there's gonna be no mouse traps on a board. I know that was your idea. You and I will be wrestling in a match very soon. On on that note, that was my um my comment for the match is I like that there was no hardcore element because it showcased another style that Joey Janela is able to work. You know, he had the... He and Kenny had a regular match, right? Yeah, yes. they did. Um, oh, yeah. We got Mox... No, not Mox. Sorry. We got Janela Omega, too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we've seen that before. He had a nice match with Kenny, but I, I like seeing him in these regular wrestling matches because it, it helps build his skill and show that he's not one-dimensional. Yeah, I, I think that Joey Janela has gotten a lot better. 
I wasn't the biggest Joey Janela fan, but he's growing on me in the sense that I think his character is good. He's he's a very solid wrestler. He's, I know he's been working really hard at getting up to speed in that regard, coming on television. I think he's looked great on on the Dynamites and his matches since AEW started. Yeah, I think he's been fine, and I think that this match was solid, but nothing really spectacular. I I, I give it a C. Two stars. Nothing terrible, nothing special, just a C. I'd give it a, a, a B, B minus. I, I think it's it a served, high, I think. I think it served its purpose. There's nothing wrong with it. It wasn't I liked terribly it. long. Sean Spears got a win. It's good for him. He was yeah. due for a win. I Joey needs a win as well, but you know, for the long term, uh, or the short term rather, I, I think it was important for Sean Spears to get a win, even though I had predicted Joey to win last week. Yeah, I mean, they did some good spots. He had his hair tied in the corner. Yeah, he pulled that, that cool. out. It was supposed to get sympathy built with him. But, you know, and Sean clearly is working with Tully. He goes over, Tully gives him advice. He comes and delivers those things. That was kind of the story of the match that there's an underdog in Joey Janela. Clearly, he was the underdog. Sean Spears was clearly the favorite. He had Tully Blanchard in his corner. He did things to show that he was a dominant level self. He was his dominant level self. They did the pile driver on the outside. It was a good match. I'm, you know, but it was just total. They had a very short story to it. Probably could have maybe swapped with the Britt Baker match for the buy-in. Maybe this could have been the buy-in match. Again, it, it's a mid card. It's middle of the card on a pay-per-view. I just gave it a C. So that sums up the. The first half of the card, really. Um, the next four matches, the next four matches, we had uh, all the title matches, and then we closed with the lights out match, Mox versus Omega, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, right after Janela Spears was the uh, triple threat tag match, SCU Lucha Bros and Private Party, which is a match that disappointed a little bit. I felt like we were missing something in that match that would have made it. Great. It was a match that you had Lucha Brothers, the most over-tag team, SCU, of course, the champions, Private Party, who are stars, truly stars. These are three dynamic, dominant tag teams. And you add that to the Young Bucks, you add that to Proud and Powerful, you add that to Best Friends, Jurassic Express, Dark Order. This is the best tag team division in all the land. Absolutely. But this triple threat tag match was one... I was really excited, and I was looking forward. I said, this is the moment. You know, maybe the crowd was a little slow. Pac's not the best guy for audiences, like I said. In my opinion, you had the Joey Janela, Sean Spears. Again, uh, not much deep depth of story involved. But then you get this triple threat tag team match. I go, we're picking it up. And for some reason, it just kind of fell flat. And I don't know if maybe they wasn't enough false finishes, or whatever the, the spots that we missed were, it just seemed like they were two or three minutes away from making this a great one. And unfortunately, we didn't get that. Of course, Christopher Daniels did come back. SCU delivered what I thought was a nice finishing maneuver, and they went on to defend their titles at full gear. But I got to give this one like a B-. minus. It wasn't the best match I've seen. Three-star match. Nothing spectacular. Yeah, I agree there. I thought the match itself was solid. There wasn't anything wrong with it, but I felt like there could have been just a little bit more. I felt like, again, it just kind of ended. Yeah, that, that's what I was... It just 
two or three more minutes really would have stepped this match up. It just kind of seemed like maybe they were a little discombobulated. Private Party seemed a little all over the place. They seemed a little deliberate again. Isaiah Cassidy seemed a little slow again, as I said, but the Lucha Brothers. Maybe Private Party and the Lucha Brothers, they just don't mesh well. Kazarian has been slightly off recently. Maybe it's just finding his mark on some of the spots. He did a jumping Hurricane Rana outside the ring on Pentagon. And again, he slipped, he hit the floor before Pentagon even made his move, before he even flipped over to take the other half of the Hurricane Rana. So again, it was one of those things, these teams just don't seem to be meshing well together. And I can't say it's the Lucha Brothers, because the Lucha Brothers have worked really, really well with the Young Bucks. But maybe it is the Lucha Brothers. Maybe SCU don't work well with the Lucha Brothers. Maybe Private Party doesn't work well with the Lucha Brothers. So we'll, we'll see. Obviously, going forward, we'll see them get more comfortable with one another, I'm sure. They'll get better with one another. They'll know each other inside and out. The longer they're together, the more they wrestle on television. And I think this tag division is just fantastic. No, I, I, I agree with you there. I, I'd give the match a... Like I said, I thought it was solid. I'll give it a, a B minus. Um, yeah, same. I just, I felt like there was just a little bit more that we were missing, but CD's return at the end, really cool. Um, you had actually talked about that last week. It made it made sense. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they're facing the Lucha Brothers. Lucha Brothers took out Christopher Daniels. I actually thought maybe SCU would turn heel. Because, well, they, they were getting booed. Right. The, the Lucha Brothers are so over. So many people wanted to see them win that I thought maybe the return of Daniels would actually do a double turn here. and Lucha Brothers would go back to being faces. Daniels would come and take this team back to being heels. They can work great as heels. If you think back to, like, Bad Influence, Christopher Daniels and Kazarian. I mean, just great heels. These guys know how to do it in this business. But... I thought the match, it was solid. I'm not disappointed. I'm disappointed in the fact that I thought it was going to be better. But I'm not saying it wasn't worthy of being on the card or anything like that. But, you know, just thought it would be a little better. Still love all the teams, though. And SCU got a win, which is important. I think a defense is important. And uh, they are on to Sammy G and Jericho next week. Or this week, rather, uh, on Dynamite. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. But... You know, changing gears slightly, moving on to the second, moving on to the second world title match of the night. We had Riho versus Emi Sakura. And honestly, I was, I was blown away by this match. This, I think, is one of my favorite women's matches that I've seen in AEW thus far. Right before the match, they played this beautiful video package talking about Emi and... Uh, Emmy and Riho's history, how Emmy's the teacher, Riho's the student. Uh, Emmy's uh, 43 years old. She's got, I think, 24 years of wrestling experience. Uh, Riho started training at the age of nine. She was introduced to Emmy through her gymnastics instructor. Um, you had a little bit of Kenny in there talking about the two women, talking about the match and what this means. We had talked on the last podcast about how we wanted a little bit more. There was story, student versus teacher, obviously, as, as we discussed, but we just wanted to see a little bit more of that to get the bigger picture. And I think that, however long, two, two minutes, if that, that video package they did was so well done. It was, it was wonderful. That was all I needed to, you know, to, to get, to get fully invested. But the match itself, they 
worked so well together. Obviously, they have this right. history together, so you would expect them to. But I was I was really invested with the match. I was really happy with the outcome. I think Rio is so unique. Uh, she she works so so well because she's so small and she's so adorable that you know you feel almost like protective of her she's also so young but then you see her in the ring and she's so she's so fast and she has a move set that works with her size and she's so dynamic that you know she's really unique and the audience loves her the fans love Riho everyone was chanting for her you know I, I just I really enjoyed this match Emmy was on Twitter talking about how you know people were making comments about how she was you know an unnecessary or an unworthy opponent and that made me so sad because it was truly a great match again there was so much story involved but we got to also kind of meet them yet we didn't we saw them in the elevator we were in the same hotel so it kind of gave you the appreciation that they they tried their hardest they're really nice people too and people really kind of treated them poorly without that story a lot of the fans out there treated them really poorly because of this and that wasn't right no i i know and that's you know when we were talking last week i wasn't i wasn't talking i wasn't trying to talk down on the match or talk down on emmy as a competitor no i just i wanted to see a little bit more of that because it it helps you get invested yeah and that's why i obviously the sean spears joey janela match i probably would have given a higher grade to but there really wasn't anything there. It was a small segment on Dark, which is important. Dark's important. Mm-hmm. But it was a small segment on Dark about the cigarette smoking in the bathroom. And then we got nothing touched upon this until the week prior to the pay-per-view. That was it. And that kind of hurt that a little bit. I think the match was better probably than a C, but there was nothing I was invested in. This match, watching it in person, far beyond my expectations. Much better match. Probably one of the better women's matches that I've seen. Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Rio and Nyla was very good on opening day. Yes, yes it was. That That's also up there for me. But this match was very good. That fatal four-way double or nothing was very good. But this one was also very good, and I got to give Rio a lot of credit, Emmy a lot of credit, because they took a lot of flack. And they, and they killed it. it out there. They, they killed it out there. They handled it like absolute professionals. I think the hard part with us, and with a lot of other AEW fans too possibly, is that we are being introduced to a lot of these people for the the first time. We've talked about this many times. Exactly. So that's that that's where the the video packages come in come in handy, but you know what? They listened. They did. They and they listened. D- and they gave us those packages. They gave us a match that was worth it. And all in all, I'm going to give that one a solid B. I thought it was a good match. I give it an A minus. It exceeded my expectations. I I loved it. That I said to you in the arena, that video package was all I needed. Yes, three and a half Perfect. stars. Perfect. But I want you to talk about your... The bump bump clap? Yeah. Well, I don't know if they heard that on the podcast, but she bump bump claps. It's part of the Queen thing. It's part of the Freddie Mercury thing that she does. Comes out with a mustache. This is Emmy, of course. This is Emmy. The crowd didn't care much for Emmy. Wasn't They didn't boo her. They didn't really cheer her. Just didn't care much. Cared for Rio. Didn't care much for Emmy. Now, I had this concept in my head about what would be a great way to get Emmy over. Well, she does a stomp, stomp, clap. The audience is supposed to follow through. Now, no one really does it as much. But what if she just continued to stomp, stomp, clap? 
She just stomp, stomp, clap, stomp, stomp, clap, stomp, stomp, clap, and continued to do so. The crowd would immediately begin to turn on Emmy because this is ridiculous. Why is she continuously doing this? Just standing in the corner, nonstop. Rio looks at her, look what the hell are you doing? She just keeps stomping. The longer she does it, the more heat she builds. But then, then they start to love it. <laughs> then the crowd wants it to keep going. Two straight minutes of stomping and clapping. <laughs> Can you Two imagine? Two straight minutes on pay-per-view of stomping and clapping and Emi Sakura would be a god to these people. <laughs> and then she wins. <laughs> it's like just like the Fandango thing. He right. was so bad, the song was so good. The more you played it, the more you shoved them down our throats, the more we were like, you know what, fuck it, we love this shit. And then we're dancing and, and pointing to the sky in the audience. It's just, it will work. Do it. I just thought that that was hilarious. We were laughing. You want to get her over? <laughs> Two straight minutes of stomp, stomp, clap. I know how wrestling minds work. We're going to boo the shit out of it, then we're not going to get enough of it because it was ridiculous enough to keep going. And then we'll be leaving the arena, stomp, stop, clap. Of course. Um... No, but very, very pleased with the women's match and, you know, great for Riho. We'll see what she does going forward now. Yeah, hopefully this isn't the last of Emmy. Don't think we're going to be seeing too much more of her. I don't expect to, no. She kind of also hinted that maybe this would be the end of her AEW run, but... But in the future, a match here or there, I, you know, I would like to see her again. But this is where you're going to give your play-by-play. -play. Yeah. With the next match, we had Jericho versus Cody for the AEW World Championship. Mm -hmm. I, unfortunately, didn't get to appreciate this match uh, live because we had a rude, drunk fan in front of us who was standing up the whole time and he was distracting me. Using and... very non-appropriate expletives. Yeah, he was being very rude. Pro tip, just don't be an asshole at wrestling events. Yeah. Have fun. This guy was extremely drunk. Stand up and cheer, but like no one else was standing. Yeah. You don't have to be that guy. When you're the guy in the front row, everybody has to be predicated behind you now. So whatever you do, we have to do also. When everybody's trying to enjoy a wrestling match, which happens to be the pseudo main event, the world championship match, Huge and you match. are standing up in the middle of the row, the front row, but the middle section of this, we had great seats, section 210, we had awesome seats. But you're standing up there and everybody's telling you, please, can you just sit down? We want to sit and enjoy this thing because it's going to go for 60 fucking minutes. So can you just please sit down? And that was that was something you couldn't get into. But I could get into this. Yes, so I want you to and take I, it away here. And I'm going to say something maybe a little controversial. But Cody is arguably the best American-style wrestler in the world today. Hands down, flat out. This match started, Cody is the underdog. Mm -hmm. Of course. Cody's only 34, 35 years old. Cody's never held a world title in professional wrestling before. Well, NWA world title, but he's never held a major promotion world title before. Mm -hmm. Jericho is a 49-year-old super veteran. 30 years in this business. It was his he's, birthday. It was his birthday. I believe he's now a seven-time world champion. This is the story. Cody needs to win this title. Cody has never won a title like this before. 
Cody comes in, immediately knows the most important thing he has to do is stop that Judas effect. Nobody's kicked out of the Judas effect. He works that elbow. Jericho identifies that his elbow is being worked. So Jericho works the ribs and back because Jericho has other moves. Jericho has the lion tamer. Jericho has the walls. Jericho counters the fact that he won't be able to use his Judas effect with isolating the rib and back area of Cody. Cody then makes a big faux pas and he lands outside of the ring on the ramp and busts his head open. Now the story of that is Cody's distracted by this blood. He's getting the doctors all over him. Now Cody can't focus. Now Jericho, like a shark, sees blood in the water. Now he's going to use it to his advantage. Trying to choke out Cody. Work down the head. He's lost some blood now. It's easier for him to pass out. So now he's in complete control. He's taking advantage of not only the ribs in the back, he's working the head, and Cody is going to have to do everything in his power to try to win this match, and he's the underdog. And he hits the crossroads, and he tries for the pin, but he hasn't been able to work down Jericho enough. Jericho is the one in control. Cody doesn't have anything but sheer will and sheer passion to win a world title, but Jericho is just too damn good. And the match ends, he doesn't want to give up, he doesn't want to tap, he doesn't want to sacrifice everything he worked for, he's going to lose the match, but he doesn't want to quit, and he will never quit. And MJF throws in that towel, MJF proceeds to turn heel, was a satisfying moment for MJF. Walks up the ramp with nuclear heat, gets torpedoed by a fucking water bottle, Walks it off like a goddamn champ. The match is an A+. It's a five-star fucking classic. It is a story of understanding how wrestling works. He couldn't use his elbow, couldn't use his hand. So Jericho worked the back, worked the ribs, worked the head after the blood. Cody couldn't recover. Cody was done. Cody gave it everything he possibly could, and he was done, but he was never going to give up. This was his goal, his heart, his dream, and MJF took that away from him. And that's why it's great. Best match of the night. I don't have much more to say um, on, on that note. You summed it up perfectly, and like I said, I, I can't give it a fair assessment uh, based on being distracted. I, I was taken out of the match, which is unfortunate, but watching it again when we came home, perfectly executed we had a very qualified group of judges we didn't even talk about that Mm-mm. um i liked i liked the judges fantastic judges uh, obviously excellent Couldn't get better of course um but they weren't distracting it worked i would like to see it again i think that's cool uh, the ending was brilliant mjf throwing in the towel i loved it that i that i was not distracted for i thought that was the absolute perfect ending Cody didn't quit kind of leaves the room for him to challenge again potentially in the future he's not in a complete box I don't know what they're gonna do with it um MJF finally turned we all lost our collective minds in the arena do you think it was the right time for him to turn yeah I like the towel part you think it was the right time yeah it was fine I mean it it, it, they've you almost can only bait for so long mm-hmm. before people just get tired of the shit. And I think they had to do it at some point. I mean, the fans knew it was coming. The fans had to know it was coming. 
and they had to do it at some point. And the longer you start to stretch this out, remember, you're playing that WWE game here a little Mm -hmm. bit. The longer you wait to strike while the iron's hot, the less of an impact it's going to have. So I think they had to do it now because I think if they started pushing it a little too far, wouldn't have the same type of impact. I was just wondering what you thought with that. I don't have any issues with it either way. But I give it an A+. That was your match of the night. Oh, yeah. My match of the night. The main event. Well, the final match of the evening. Mox versus Omega. You win. I win. (laughs) Mox, Omega, as our friend would say, for nothing. For nothing. I could go on like a two-hour tangent talking about how incredible this match was, but I almost don't even have the words to describe it at the same time. It was... An epic. Amazing. Dare I say a banger? Oh, God. A banger. Unbelievable. I can't even... I can't even... I, I don't even have words. Well, the, the match started, obviously, they promised you violence. They gave you violence. Moxley defined what a Lights Out match is going to be going forward. Beautiful wrestling violence. Sure. I saw some headlines questioning whether or not, you know, was it too much violence? Was it too hardcore? Get over it. AEW put out a tweet asking, you know, was this the beautiful wrestling violence that you expected? This was... Everything I could have asked for and more. I did not see many fans at all that didn't like this match. Neither did I. I see these critics, guys who may have never worked a match. Now, I'm not telling you that I'm a professional wrestler, but I have done some shit like this before. This is an artwork, okay? Hardcore wrestling matches are a goddamn art. They tell a fucking story. They bring you from one place to another place because in order to beat your opponent when you would do a hardcore match, you have to fucking end him. This had to take it to another level. It's going to define what a Lights Out match is for all of eternity in AEW. So anybody who may think this isn't traditional wrestling, well guess what? You want to tell me professional wrestling is a goddamn art? That was a fucking work of art. It was a masterpiece. And that is how hardcore wrestling works. You can do it just the way Jericho did, just the way Cody did, just the way Dustin did at Double or Nothing also. Or you could do it just the way Omega and Mox did when you tell a story and put together a hardcore match where you see all the traditional stuff that everybody's used to, bring out a little chain, they use a little glass, and Moxley's dragging himself through the glass to get to the rope when there's no rope break. And he has to climb himself up that rope after driving himself through that glass to get there, to be told that there is no rope break. That's art, man. That's a well-crafted piece that you get connected to. That's how this works. So if anybody doesn't appreciate this hardcore wrestling stuff... You guys got to get a little cultured here. You got to do a little studying, and you got to watch back on some history. We missed our throwback last week. Throwback ECW One Night Stand 2006. 
Mick Foley and Edge, Terry Funk, Tommy Dreamer, Tag Team Hardcore Match. Take a look at that one. You'll get an appreciation for it. But you are the sole winner of Mox Omega on Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tables, mousetraps, chains, glass, barbed wire nets, the full gear stage sign thing, the dismantling of the ring, and the padding onto the board. And we saw Kenny Omega after this in the elevator at the hotel. Oh, yeah. My God, is his face fucked. <laughs> he was black and blue from the top of his forehead to about the middle of his cheek. He hit his face so fucking hard on those boards. Yeah, it was, the match itself was, it, it was amazing. I didn't know how it was going to end. I didn't know when it was going to end. It did end. Mox won. Huge win, even though it was for nothing. Uh, bragging rights. Shot to Kenny's ego there, you know, in terms of his character and whatnot. Um, best bout machine. Still the best bout machine. Clearly, we had this conversation where... You know, it pains you to say that Kenny Omega was the best wrestler in the world uh, compared to Okada. You said this. These words came out of your mouth. Was I drunk? No. Because he added this, you know, this level of wrestling, this style of wrestling. The hardcore element. To his, his repertoire. This was after I woke up and drove three hours back from Baltimore. So maybe I was a little mystified. Thank you to Kenny Omega and John Moxley for putting their bodies on the line A like plus. that. A plus 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 plus. Oh, this was a five star match for um, me also. Five star match A plus. It was amazing. I am so glad that we were just there to see it live. Yeah. Uh, even better the second time around with the commentary. JR killed it on commentary because he was like, This is not for me. But he, you know, he was so into the match in, you know, in that in that way. Um, but just being there live was a super unique moment. Again, I've been raving about this forever, so maybe we can finally put it to rest. But thank you to both men for for everything, uh, and you know, to all of AEW for that matter. If this was the first show that you watched after being on television, um, th this is what to expect with each pay per view. Double yeah. or nothing, all out, full gear, fantastic shows. We, we've been to all three. Arguably the best wrestling shows I've ever been to. The AEW pay-per-views? Yes. Hands down. Hands down the best wrestling shows I've ever been to. I appreciate the consistency, and you know, I hope that everyone who joined us on this journey, joined the AEW team on this journey after Dynamite started, you know, I hope that you guys are enjoying it as, as much as we are, because... We're very lucky to have this available to us. Yeah, I mean, this is the best thing that I've ever seen in wrestling. And I've been watching wrestling for a long time now. And I'm really happy that we have this opportunity. This is the first time that I've been able to really get this engaged, this involved, care this much about each individual guy and girl that they have on this roster that I tune in every single Wednesday. Can't wait to see it. The pay-per-view was fantastic. We bought the pay-per-view, and we went to the pay-per-view. That's how much I like to support this. And I know I sound like I'm coming off as a complete mark, but listen, 
Support your wrestling. Support something that's better, something that you enjoy. Whatever it is that you enjoy, support it. Give it your attention. Love it. And you'll have a great time. Couldn't have said it better. On that note, we will be back later this week with a Dynamite recap. We had a New Japan showdown this weekend um, on the West Coast, so maybe we'll touch on that a little bit. Um, and again, World Tag League's coming up, so you know we'll, we'll see what's going on there. Might be able to throw some extra New Japan bits in. But once again, thanks for thanks for listening, and we'll see you later this week. Yep, thank you guys. Check it out, Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter. That's the Twitter handle. We'll be dropping this special Full Gear episode. I'm sorry it went a little longer than we expected it to, but again, we wanted to cover all the bases, and we appreciate you listening.